film. Last week we told you to get one. This week I'm going to tell you everybody gets one, okay? If you got one last week and you get another one, then just take it home and give it to somebody and tell them it's a gift from this church and from Miss Tanya. She made all these, and if you don't take them this year, she won't have anything to do next year. So anyway, get you a, get, that's not going to work. I can see right now. Lou, I messed your monitor up, but that'll work. Okay. All right. You know, yeah, kids for Sunday, yeah. I'm, my mind is froze up this morning. Second grade and under. Second grade and under. Y'all go ahead and get out of here. This is for the adults anyway. I'm going to get on to them, straighten them up. If Quinn ever gets over that bashfulness, I just don't know what we'll do. You know, this is a very special time. And I think some, so many times that uh, we get so caught up in all the events and everything that we forget what the greatest gift is that was ever given. And that's Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ and the gift that He, he being born, He gives us one thing that's definitely... One thing that I think about is hope. Now, I'm not talking about the wishful hope that kids are hoping they get this or that for Christmas or whatever. I'm talking about the promise of hope. The thing that allows us to know with certainty that all things are going to be all right. You know, the world's falling apart all around us. If you hadn't noticed that, maybe you ought to get your head out of the sand because there's struggles everywhere. There's struggles in people's lives. We saw some of that last week and how many people wanted prayer in various situations and from sickness to personal growth to just the world being after them. There's worries. There's anxiety. But I'm here to tell you this morning, because we have our hope in Jesus Christ, there's nothing to be afraid of. Because if you belong to the Heavenly Father because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you're all right. Okay? Now you notice I didn't say all of you are okay. I hope all of you are okay, but not everybody in the world is okay. Because a lot of people say, well, Jesus died to save the world. And he did. But not all the world has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Therefore, they're not saved. There's this 
this thing that you have to do before you really understand this hope is you've got to make a conscious decision to accept that gift that God gave. And we're going to look at one or two incidents of that uh, this week. Old Testament passages. I love the Old Testament. So go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to look at a story. And if you don't have your Bible, Caleb's going to put this up. We're going to begin in verse 1. And it's going to have a dealings with a widowed lady whose husband was a priest. And he died and left debt, which is unusual for most priests because priests mostly never got to own very much or have very much. Um, and he had died, and she's needing some help. So let's look there at the Scripture and see what it says. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Okay, stop right there. I need you to understand this. First of all, this debt that he had obtained was something to do with living, and there were no um, there there was no collateral that could be taken. Therefore, legally, if you owed a debt and you could not pay that debt, you're, the man could be taken into slavery to work off that debt. If he was dead, like in this case, his sons could be taken into slavery to the creditor to pay off the debt. When it was paid or the year of the Jubilee came around, then they would be set free. So this was a very legal issue. Uh, there that to pay back this debt we don't know what it is but it's a debt that so many people get themselves into even a couple thousand years ago but a widow lady was not allowed to own property in this time either and so there's a lot of things in there that's passed so basically she's on her own the creditor's after her sons, and she has no hope. She has no place to turn but to Elijah because he's the representative of God. So she came to him explaining this situation. Verse 2, Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me what you, would have, uh, what you have in the house. And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. It told you how much poverty is there. Has no food or anything, but she has a jar of olive oil. That's all she's got left. Then he said, Go borrow vessels at, uh, at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all the vessels and you shall set aside what is full. Now she's got one jar of oil. Probably not a great big jar, but she's got a jar, say 
at the most probably a half gallon, something like that. And yet Elijah says, I want you and your sons to go out and collect all the vessels, empty vessels you can get. Bring them back into the house and then close the door behind you. You see, the first thing she did, she knew where she had to go to find relief. She was willing to go beyond herself, put her pride aside and say, I need help. Folks, that's the exercise of faith. When, when you come to a place in your life where you realize that it's out of your control, you have to make a choice. Either I give up and do the beginning of faith. Because you've got to learn to get on your face before God if you're going to ever trust Him in every aspect of your life. The only way you'll ever trust Him is by allowing Him to work day by day in your life. She had learned this through her husband, through the teaching, and therefore when she came to this point, she was willing to do it, and she did exactly what Elijah told her to do. She sent her sons to go out and get all these vessels. Did she know what was going to happen yet? She was unaware. She was just being obedient to the Word of God, knowing that God would do something in that situation. Huh? Yeah, and they were being obedient also. So he says, go do that. In verse 4 it says, And you shall go in and shut the door behind you, you and your sons, and then pour out into all these vessels, and you shall set aside what is full. Set them aside. As you pour in out of this one jar, you're going to pour into these vessels until you run out of vessels. So she began to do this. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her son. And they began bringing her the vessels, and she poured. And when the vessels were full, said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is, one, uh, there is not one vessel more, and the oil stopped. So they gathered all their, they had, all they could get a hold of, all that they felt like was there. And she began to pour out this oil into each vessel not knowing what she's going to do with it because she's still got to go back to the prophet to find out. But she did and acted in obedience because she exercised her faith. And folks, that's what Christmas is all about. It's grabbing hold of the hope that is yours, not knowing the future, but knowing that the one that knows the future is in control of your life. Do you know that? I know that. I don't always know what's going to happen, but I know my God is capable of providing for me. Not only is He capable, I know my God will provide for me. Can you think of one instance in your life where God provided something for you out of the clear blue without you ever knowing about it? I hope you can. If you haven't, you need to start finding that out. But time and time again, I've seen God work in my life to where he would begin to do things for me. Uh, one of the funniest stories I've got is I set Barbara's kitchen on fire one night so that we could go on a mission trip uh, to a conference. 
because we we barely had enough money to go and we had agreed to go and right before we were going to go I set her kitchen on fire with a grease fire man this was this was not good and we got it cleaned up talked to the insurance company about that and they said well we can't be there for a couple of days and I said look we got this trip planned we need to go I need to get this thing fixed he said go ahead and fix it just keep all the old stuff he showed up the day before we were going to leave at four o'clock that afternoon and he looked and said okay I'm going to allow you the expenses for the stuff you've replaced plus labor for fixing it he said, I'm going to go back to the office and cut you a check and put it in the mail. Now, folks, this was in um, the late 80s, about 87. The mail was a little quicker back then. The horses were faster. But it was still Omaha. We're leaving the next day. The mail didn't get delivered to our house normally until about 11 o'clock every morning. But there's two things happened right there. They delivered early that next morning, and there was a check in my mailbox for all that. And it covered the trip for us to go to the conference in San Antonio so that the money we had set aside to, to do was replaced by money that God provided. Now, there's two things about this I want you to understand. I don't recommend burning your kitchen down to do this, okay? But the other thing is, trust God, because he, he, he acted on our faith. Because literally, when we agreed to go, we knew what it was going to cost. And the best of my memory, it left us about 30 or $40 in the checking account. But we were committed to go. Now, th that, now that was when we were living paycheck to paycheck. But we were going to go because we felt God wanted us to go. And he took care of it. And that was one time out of so many that he just amazed me with his capabilities of doing it. Because the mail, first of all, if the man went to his office and put it in the post office that night, his, his office was in Mount Pleasant. What were the odds of it getting back to Omaha and being delivered at about 9 o'clock the next morning? post office was going to be closed when he got there. Somehow or another, God worked all that out and did it in time for us to make the trip and do that. And I've never forgotten that. And I've always leaned back on that and said, God, I know it looks bad. I know I don't know all the answers, but I know when you tell me to do something, I need to do it. And he's taken care of. That's the kind of faith this lady had. She began to pour vessel after vessel. She began to set them aside to the point she finally ran out. I heard one preacher one time preach on this, and he said, well, she showed she didn't have a lot of faith because she quit. I, I disagree. I think she gathered every vessel she could. In a community, she just ran out of vessels. I, I really believe it. I don't think she showed a lack of faith. I think she showed a lot of faith. And she gathered and went and went and went. But then she had all this oil. What was she going to do? 
And when the vessel were all full, she said to her son, well, well, read verse 7, Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. How much was left? A sufficient amount to live the rest of their life to raise them. Yeah, and then she still had what she had. Folks, let me tell you this. When you walk with God, I'm not talking about I just I don't I don't want you to have a, a knowledge of God. I want you to walk with God. Because a knowledge of God, even the devil has knowledge of who God is. The devil knows who Jesus Christ is. But he does not walk with him. He doesn't have a relationship. He had a relationship with God and he threw all that away trying to gain his own glory and God kicked him out. What I think you need, what I know you need, and I think you will want, is to walk with God every day. And if you will do that and begin to exercise faith when you have these needs, you will be amazed at what he'll do. Last week, I was responding in obedience to what God told me to do four weeks prior. I didn't know what God was going to do. I expected four or five people to come up here and want prayer. We don't know how many, but I know they were lined up from here all the way back to the window, and they were coming up here. We were going to, each elder was going to pray for everybody one time, and we got to just having to leapfrog because we had so many. And every time I'd look up and 10 would come across, I'd look back here and the line was still back up to the window because people were getting up out of the chairs and coming. And I said, man, God, you're doing something amazing. But then the old flesh of me began to worry, well, what about everybody that's sitting out there? How are they taking it? Are they getting bored with what's going on? I saw people crying and wiping tears away. I saw people being amazed. And I'm going to tell you what that told me. There's a hunger in this group to know God in a mighty way. And if there is a hunger in this group, let me tell you what God's going to do. He's going to show you some amazing things. Some mighty and amazing things of what He can do and what He will do, what He wants to do. Every day, we're a day closer to the second coming. But let me tell you this. The people that Jesus is going to be proudest of when he blows that trumpet and comes back are the ones that are out in the field working, not sitting in the church waiting. Now, you come to church, but when you leave this place, you need to be out doing what God's called you to do. Because when the trumpet blows, I want to be taken up from being in the midst of what God's doing. Because whatever I've got, whatever we're going to, I'm going to leave it all behind anyway. So why not be invested in the kingdom and trying to reach somebody? And hopefully I'm, I'm praying with somebody and holding on to the hand so that I can drag them with me as we go. Really, it's what it's all about. You young folks, you think I got all this life in front of me and I'm going to get all these things accomplish all these things. I, I turned 65 
Tuesday. Mark's just dying to tell somebody that. I turned 65, and let me tell you what I've learned. Everything I've worked for to try to gain will be left. I'll either leave it here, somebody will steal it or rust, or it'll break down. If you own it, it's going to break down. No matter what you got. So everything you have here on this earth has no eternal consequences. It may be how you make your living or whatever. And that's and that's your tools to make a living and do. Treat it as such. It's nothing more than a tool. Because it's what you've got to move forward in this life. But don't ever hold on to it because you can't take any of it with you. And your God is capable of taking care of you. So focus on the kingdom and not these other things. They're part of your life, but just don't keep them number one in your life. Because if you've got all the barns and all the animals and now everything in the world, when that trumpet blows, there's one thing that you're going to be judged on. How obedient were you to your father? How obedient were you to your father? Did you have this kind of faith? you have this kind of trust that's what's going to sustain you in troubled times the book of revelation it talks about a period of time when you can neither buy nor sell depends on what camp you're in whether you're a pre-trib mid-trib or post-trib i don't care what camp you are if you don't know what i'm talking about then that's all right too some believe that they're going to be raptured out before the tribulation. That's okay with me. I'm ready, ready to go. A mid-trib means that you're going to be raptured out before the final wrath is coming upon the world the last three and a half years, and God's going to take the church out then. That's called a mid-trib. Post-trib is mean that you as a believer is going to live through the entire seven years of the tribulation. <clears throat> I'd rather be prepared to go through seven years of tribulation and taking out on the front side than to be planning on going out on the front side and not be ready for the seven. Because the seven means <clears throat> midway, mid-trib is when you can neither buy nor sell without the mark of the beast. Y'all know what the mark is, 666. Whether it's a little deal or not, it's, it's, a, it's a marked number. Caleb and I have talked about it. We've been looking at this for several years. Computer chips in the hand and forehead can be placed right now where it registers everything about you. All your information. Some places are already implementing places where you might as well at Walmart because you can walk in and walk out with whatever you want anyway if you want to be a thief. But what they're going to do is they can check you out as you walk through the door and everything's on there and be deducted from your account. Cryptocurrency. That's a big in the news today. <clears throat> it's wildfire as people spread and want that stuff. It's nothing more than computer money. I think it's crazy. First of all, you give me a dollar, I want to be able to hold it. I don't want it somewhere in some computer. We see what that did to the, the folks with that FTX deal, but it's part of where the society's going. 
And sooner or later, there's going to be a day coming in the not-too-distant future where the governments are going to say, if you don't have this, you can't buy or sell. So what are you going to do then? What are you going to do then? Well, you say, well, I'm going to raise a garden and do all that. Okay. I don't know about how you're going to raise your garden. If you use all heirloom seed, you can have your seed. But how many of you plow a mule anymore? John's got them. I don't know if he can plow them, but he uses them to pull a wagon. So if you've got a tractor, it means God may have to do a miracle in that tractor to keep some fuel in it. Because I dang sure ain't going to buy none with a mark of the beast. But I'm going to trust my God to provide whatever I need to do. Then I'm going to be thankful I live in a community where I've got people that will help one another. And I'm going to praise God for that because God's going to even do more and more miracles that day than he ever has before. But you better get ready, folks, because we're not very far from it. A collapse of any country today economically will send the world into collapse. Any country today was to go in a great depression and it would send the entire world into collapse. Have you ever heard, any of you young folks heard about the Great Depression in 1929, the crash of October? You young people, I know the old people have. You know why we ended up, why Hitler ended up in charge of Germany after that? Our depression caused a depression in Germany in 1930. And that's what elevated Hitler up to where he was. Are we not more of a worldwide dependence on one another today than they were then? Yet, our collapse financially began to impact Europe. Because of that, they go into a great recession. Hitler rises up to become the great demonic leader that he became because economic collapse. What's coming in the future is worse than that. So what I'm telling you is not all this history. I'm telling you, get ready and have your faith built up. Be obedient when God says be obedient. And you'll have nothing to worry about. But the time to get ready is today. The time to realize who your hope is is today. This Christmas is a time for you to develop and remember my hope is in nothing less but in Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Not only my spiritual welfare, but my physical welfare. And whatever God needs and wants for me to do, He'll provide just like He did here. If you go on a couple chapters over, there's a man named Naaman. was a wealthy man, had leprosy. And he wanted to be healed. And he gets a letter and he goes to meet with Elijah. And Elijah won't even meet with him. He sends his servant out and says, Go tell Naaman to dip himself seven times in the Jordan River. And on the seventh time he'll be healed. Made old Naaman mad. He said, The man won't even come meet with me. And I'm a great man of political statue. Have a letter from the king whom I serve to the king of Israel. 
and this prophet won't even come meet me. So he's going to leave mad. But he had a pretty wise servant there with him. He said, Naaman, if the prophet had told you to do some outlandish deal, some great feat, would you not have done it? He said, yeah. He said, what can it hurt? What can it hurt? So Naaman finally relents and goes to the old nasty, dirty Jordan River, gets in it, goes down once, twice, three times. What's going through his mind? Fourth time. Fifth time, every time he looks up, still there. But when he came up on the seventh time, God healed him completely and physically because he did obedience to what the man of God told him to do. Folks, you can't halfway do what God tells you to do and be blessed. Half of obedience is total disobedience. You understand that? If I'm halfway obedient, I'm totally disobedient. So when God tells you to do something, you do it fully and all the way, trust in Him, and that's when you'll be amazed because He will bless you. And, and, and He's going to work through this group because of the faith you've exhibited the past several weeks and months. And I'm proud of you. But you know what? With all the faith you've exhibited, I'm here to tell you, you need some more. Because God's just began. If you're new to this church, then just grab hope. But because people come desiring to know God. That's what it's all about. It's not about the preacher or the music or anybody that comes. It's about you and the faith you come when you come through these doors. What are you expecting from God when you come here? Nothing. If you expect nothing, you'll get nothing. If you expect everything, God will bless you. On my worst days, he'll bless you. I've had people say, man, you touched me. I thought... I couldn't have touched you with a 10-foot pole with what I just preached. It's not based on me. It's based on your faith and what you're allowing God to do with you. You be totally surrendered to Him, and He will show you things that's beyond your wildest imagination. We're no different than any other church, <clears throat> except I expect a lot more from you than maybe some other churches do. I expect you to walk in faith. Because I know if you walk in faith, you will live in faith. And if you live in faith, you will see a mighty and awesome God. And when you see a mighty and awesome God, you won't be able to do anything but go tell somebody about this mighty and awesome God because of what He's doing in your life. And if he hadn't done it in your life, he's going to do it with somebody at your table or around you. Because that's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And we've got plans for the new year to allow for even more growth. 
beginning right after the first year, we're going to begin preparing for an addition. Hopefully, that'll be started in in March to move the kitchen and everything back, make a dining room so that more people can come and sit in here because we're going to need them. And we're doing that. This was part of it. We didn't think we was going to do this parking lot until next spring. We could do it all together. It worked out where uh, our contractor needed something to do to keep his boys busy. God said, go ahead and do it. Gave us the weather to do it. We got it done. Now we're ready for 18-degree weather. But he's doing it. He He's working in doing it and preparing. We're on our way. Now what's God going to do next year with it? I don't know, but it'll be more than what he did this past year. And we did a lot this past year. We did a lot. Sponsored a lot. Did a lot. God blessed a lot. Just It's just beginning, folks. Just beginning of what God's going to do through y'all. Every one of you, if God's calling you to be a part of this church, he's got a purpose for you to be here. And we're going to have a good time. <clears throat> Any of you remember when we had cabooses on trains? Huh? A caboose hauled no one but the conductor. It, it hauled no freight. Or anything, but what was his purpose? To signify the back of the train and to keep an eye on what's in front of it. So every one of you are somewhere involved in this train of the kingdom. You're either going to be the engine or somewhere along the line. And even if you're in the caboose, you've got a purpose, okay? But there's no place to be sitting there and being still. So somewhere in the train, you're going to be involved. And God's going to do a mighty work. And I believe that with all my heart. I want to leave you with a word of prayer. Christmas balls need to disappear. Okay? Get at least one. If you have one of the first ones up here, get one. If you're one of the last ones, get whatever. And if you're a first one and you want another one, come back around. But we want enough for everybody to get something. It's got bar none on them. They're beautiful. Oh, bar none family. Bar none family. Love. Well, I asked for those earlier and you didn't have one. Okay, well, give it right quick. Part of that is you walk with God prior to that. And just like this lady we talked about, she had walked with God. She had been there. And so, so we live by the faith, and, we, and, and God responds in that obedience. That's why I say you need to be acting in obedience today, today, so that you're building that so people know and are aware of it. Because as you serve in churches, then all of a sudden God's people are aware of it. And folks, when God lays it on your heart to do that and give, 
then give him the glory and go do it because he can he can and will replace what you have given he may do it immediately and he may do it 10 years down the road i shared with you about the time i gave a guy a hundred dollars that was in college and when i was in seminary a lady was led to give me a hundred to help fulfill what god was calling me to do i invested in the future and it came back to me but it was 10 years later but it came back and that came right to my mind of that early investment and how he took care of so that's what it's all about so let's go to our father and we'll... father we're about to enter into a, a very special week i know a lot of people have got travel plans and various things we're going to spend time with family we're going to spend time and just enjoying this there's going to be some here father's going to miss someone that had died in the past year or two and and it's going to be a sad time for them but i pray that instead of the sadness that you remind them of the joy that they had of knowing those individuals and being the blessing they were to them keep our eyes focused on you let us look at the little children and the excitement that's in their life and realize what a joy it is to have that kind of innocence and look forward to just being with one another. Help our families heal. Help them be prepared to support one another. Help us as a church, Father, to be aware of the needs that are all around us. We do pray for those who are sick right now. Many of them are trying to get over some some colds and sicknesses, surgeries, various things. We pray that your spirit would touch them this week to get them over all that. And ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope to see you next Sunday for a little bit.